I was quite excited the other day when Brother David asked me to talk this morning. I thought exactly what I was going to talk about. I went home and looked at my notes, and that is exactly what I talked about last time I filled this pulpit. So I thought, well, I've got another one I'd like to preach. And then we came to services Wednesday night. Brother Andrew read some scriptures, and there was something in that that just kind of reached out and grabbed me, and I said, that's what I need to talk about. If you were here last Sunday, it's been a long time since I've heard preaching like that. Thank you, Brother Hugh. We as a congregation cannot realize how blessed we really are. We have a group of men that are called elders. They love every one of us. They serve us diligently. They're called upon to make some very crucial decisions for our welfare. And I think you just and I need to remember, pray for them often. They have a great responsibility. And Brother Hugh just outdid himself last week. And I had heard the old expression a long time ago of a walkie-talkie, but I saw one illustrated last Sunday. He walked, he talked, he diligently taught us some very pertinent things. And as I reflect on that, I began to think about those thoughts that I wanted to put together, and we have them for our consideration this morning. I was reminded of some scriptures that Jesus gave us in Matthew, the 12th chapter, beginning at verse number 43. He said, when the unclean spirit is gone out of man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Then he said, I will return unto my house from whence I came out. And when he come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then goeth he, take with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. I was always taught, and I believe that the truth is in the statement, that if you do away with a bad habit, You've got to install a good habit. And I think that's exactly where we need to be today. If we get rid of that habit that Brother Hugh talked about, rebellion, we need to put back in that another state or attitude that we will help us. And I want to talk about something not to jeopardize or build on his thoughts 
But I want to share with you some things that I found, I thought, very interesting. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse number 12, said, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of of perfectness and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also are called in one body and be thankful. Now I want to look at that from this translation. The New American Standard said, so as those who have been chosen of God and beloved put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whosoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also do you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you are called which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I hope we can find some things from these verses that will help us. First of all, I want to call attention that he said, put on a heart of compassion. I think we as a congregation are a very compassionate people. We have put on that heart. Let it grow, let it be manifested, and it will bring peace and harmony among us as we live in this troublesome times that we are in today. And he said, kindness. Kindness never hurt anyone. And when you put it on and you dwell with it and you're kind toward everyone, don't you realize that's what we're going to get back? Humility. Gentleness. You know, when we think of some of these words, they get to be kind of hard to put on. But they're Christian characteristics that we all need every day. And he said, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whosoever has a complaint against anyone, no matter what it is, it don't matter who it is. If you've got a complaint, he said, just as the Lord forgave you, so you should do. And then he said, beyond all of these things. You know, that's a pretty good list. But he said, beyond this, put on love. And he said, that is the perfect bond of unity. If we love one another, we're going to be united. If there is a discussion, if there is enmity, if there is hatred, there's going to be division. We don't want that. So we plead and we beg that we put on 
that love, that perfect bond of unity for each other. And then in verse number 15 is where I really want to dwell with our thoughts this morning, where he said, let the peace of God rule in your heart. I think that is quite a challenge, especially today, the times and the circumstances that we live on, live on in this world, and we see about us every day, it gets pretty hard to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. But have you ever considered the impact that that statement alone can make in the lives of people? Have you ever considered the importance of that statement in your life? If we allow the peace of God to rule, then there's going to be contentment, happiness, all the spiritual blessings that we are promised in Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us this thought in John 14 and verse number 27. He said, peace I leave with you. Notice, he said, my peace I give unto you. He said, it's not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When you think of what Jesus just said, he said, my peace I give unto you. It's not like the world, because if you look around us today, there is no peace. There is no happiness. There is no harmony. But Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. And he said, it's not like the world. But he said, so don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. What a statement from our Lord and Savior. The peace of God is the peace and contentment he bestows on those who love and obey him. If we are in union and harmony with the ruler of the universe, we can bear with quietness and complacency all the minor ills, the trials, the troubles that come up along, path, along our pathway. We're traveling a great road from here to the great city that we call heaven after a while. The world can offer nothing to compare with such wonderful peace and contentment as Jesus can give. And then he said, we should be thankful and oh, the need of a thankful heart of all the blessings that we receive in Jesus Christ. The apostle tells us where all of those spiritual blessings are. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I want to share with you, help us understand that every spiritual blessing that this world knows is yours in Jesus Christ. Not outside of him, but it is him that we have this peace. Therefore, we need to understand this doesn't depend upon worldly circumstances for this peace to be mine and it to be yours. This peace of God can soothe troubled hearts, and calm all doubts and fears. This peace is the heritage 
of the Christian family today. I want to talk about this for just a moment. He said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. When you read that word rule, what do you think about? What comes to your mind? Well, the definition that I get from the Greek people that translated the Bible said it means to direct or control. Now think about that for just a moment. The peace of God is going to direct our lives. It's going to control us as we live. Now, the definition of hearts, the seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affection, purpose, or indifference. Now put those two together with me for just a moment. If we will allow the peace of God to rule our heart, all of our thoughts, can you see where this goes? It rules all of your passions. It rules your desires. It rules your appetites. The peace of God rules and controls your affections your purposes of life, your endeavors. I just can see this to be a great thought for all of us this morning, that here is the greatness of the blessing from God that He has given to us. Now I want to go to another scripture, if you will, with me. Philippians 4, and there's about four or five verses here, and we want to look at them one at a time. Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I want to ask you this morning, are you happy as a Christian? Are you content to be a child of God? Are you content to serve the one true and the living God and honor and praise our Savior Jesus for all that he has done for us? Don't you really think that this is the best kind of life that there is for us to live today? Then we should be happy in our calling. Look at the problems that your neighbors have. Look at the problems that are in the world today. Rejoice, Paul said. And he didn't just say it once. But he said, again, I say rejoice. He emphasized that, that we will be a happy people today. Verse number five. I'm going to read these from the New American Standard. You may have the King James there. But they're not much difference, but I like some of the words that this translation has. Said, let your gentle spirit be known unto all men. The Lord is near. When I wrote this one down, and I wrote the question, does this fit our description? I had to back up on that one. I think I fail sometimes in that gentle attitude, that gentle spirit. 
But it's something we have to work on. And he said, let it be known to all men. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and at supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Do we get overly anxious? Do we hear the news and we hear about all of these problems and we get concerned and we say, oh, what in the world is going to happen? Brothers and sisters, remember, God is still in control. It doesn't matter who rules. It doesn't matter if they persecute. God is still in control. And we are His people. And He does care. And the peace of God. I love this verse. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, take that one home with you. The peace that we have from God is greater than we can ever know. It surpasses all comprehension. I just don't know how great that really is. Do you? But that's the blessing we have of God. I want to tell you this morning as I think about these things, we cannot have a better promise than that we have from the God of the universe and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What more could we want? What more could we ask for? It's so great we can't comprehend it. May we always appreciate it and thank God for such love and compassion to us. And he said, this peace of God will keep you or guard you all the days of your life. I don't know how much better offering that we could have. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I want to tell you this morning, my brothers and sisters, that verse of Scripture is invaluable. It's got this old bald-headed man through a lot of tough places. We have to grab some things that we think about that are not right. Put it back within this verse. Is it something that's true? I challenge you to turn on your newscast and just tell me which one of them is true. Forget it. You have the truth of God. Think about those things that are true. He said, whatsoever things are honest, 
Whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, of good report. You can't go wrong with thinking about what God wants us to think about. Those things we have. And then I came to this next verse. Paul said those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Brothers and sisters, we have what the Lord wanted us to have. Paul said, you have it. It's outlined for you. And he said, you've heard it. You've learned it. You've received it. Just do it. And when we do, he said, the God of peace shall be with you. It's not just enough for me to say, amen. Well, that's great. But I've got to do my best to do what Paul said, what the Lord said. And I challenge you, my brothers and sisters, we must practice our Christianity. The soul saying, if practice what you preach. And then he said, the God of peace shall be with you. I want to share with you an Old Testament verse I think is very fitting. In Psalms 145, beginning at verse number 18, the writer said, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love Him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. The Lord has so richly blessed us. And I'm reminded of what the apostle said in Romans 8. Beginning at verse number 30, he said, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified, them he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you this morning. Who dares stand against God's people? If God be for us, who can stand against your faith? Who can stand against your devotion? Remember the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle John. I want to look at verse number four in particular. He said, You are of God, little children, and have overcome because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You have God the Father. You have God the Son. You have God the Holy Spirit that abides with us. And that is much, much, much greater than the devil that's in this world. And if God is for us, who dare be against us? 
I thought of this old scripture that we use so many times. Paul said all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Brethren, sisters, we need to get our heads in the book. This is what guides us. This is what propels us. This is what God wants us to do. And he said, it's all given by the inspiration of God that we may be ready to do what we can do for him. If God is for the church, who dares stand against it? We're living in troublesome times. In all of my life, I've never seen anything to compare with where we are today. Who would dare have thought that you would see what you see in our country today? But I want to tell you, with all the sincerity and earnestness that I have in my heart, the church still stands. It has been here for 2,000 years through much, much, much more troublesome times than what you and I are enduring. Remember, if God be for us, who can be against us? In Revelation 2 and verse number 10, John was told to write to these people and he said, do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. They were fixing to really get in trouble. But he said, indeed the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee or you the crown of life. Even if they kill you, they haven't hurt your faith. That's only a shortcut to the great eternity. And I want to remind you one more time. Paul said, Rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. Let's get over this doldrums. Get our head out of the sand and lift up. Glorify and honor God with our lives. And we will be blessed. If you're here this morning and you have something in your life that is not right, now is your time for the cleansing blood of Jesus to be applied. May we help you as together we stand at sing.